The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the first time, the thoughts of a dying man are recorded. What does science have to say about our last moments on planet Earth? Then we travel to Mississippi in the 1950s to take a look at a bizarre disease that quickly spread throughout the state. Is there any truth to the story of women being driven to homicidal violence simply because they smelled a man? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun. First off, let's go ahead and introduce our newest Patreon supporter, flying into Dead Rabbit Command as himself. Woo, 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 woo. Give it up for Propeller. Wee! We're all riding on him. We're spinning around getting sick. Propeller, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We got flyers in the show notes you can print out. Feel free. Feel free to graffiti bathrooms all over the place. Dead Rabbit Radio. Let's get the word out and let's get this show to grow. Propeller, I'm going to go ahead and attach you onto the front of the Jason Jet. You don't get to fly it. You get to hit all the wind forces. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to... A hospital. Probably didn't need to take a jet to go to a local hospital, but... (laughs) Flying around out there. We We all say as we're in this jet. The reason why we're headed to this hospital, this is actually a really popular story. But it's breaking news, and I wanted to cover it because I have my own conspiracy theories about it. But you guys might have heard of this before. So what has happened over the weekend, this medical journal released this report... Basically, they're saying that they had recorded a human brain dying for the first time. Now, let's put a little pin in that. Let's put a little pin in that brain there for a second, because I got a lot to say about this. What? Let's look at what happened right here. We don't really know. Scientifically, we don't really know what happens in the brain when you're dying. We do know that um, it, it stops working right when you die. And your heart stops beating, it starts pumping blood into the brain, the brain loses oxygen, and you're dead. That's been the common knowledge for a long, long time. Now, a while back, I don't know if I can find this article again, I'll start looking for it, but a while back, I remember I was reading this a thought piece saying, we don't know, like legit, I read this like last year, and even in 2021, they go, we don't know what death is. We really don't know at what, well, we know what death is, but we don't know when, really, when you go from being alive to being dead. And if you're, you know, dying, right, there's no way to reverse it, it doesn't really matter, but they were thinking of it in the terms of organ donation. This This article basically stated that we may be taking organs out of people while they are still alive. Now they are not able to be saved at this point. It's not like it's not like they'll sit up as they're pulling your heart out to give to some young girl and he's like, "No, I still need that." Ugh. You were going to die. The question is, were you dead when they were removing your organs? And you would have been dead 
in 15 minutes anyways, right? You wouldn't have survived whether or not you kept your organs, but definitely having your organs removed sped the process up. And this was a thing. How long does the brain survive after you are quote-unquote dead? This has been something that science has been looking at, and people who work in the organ harvesting industry have been worried about. And so this time, what happened with this story was there is a guy who was 87 years old. He has a history of epilepsy. He fell down and he hit his brain. Well, technically he hit his skull, which did some brain damage, and he began having terrible bleeding of the brain. So he's taken to the emergency room. He's hooked up to all of this EEG stuff. Doot, doot. Dude, actually, that's a heartbeat thing. But anyways, there's medical noises going on. He's hooked up to this EEG, and they're trying to save him. And he goes into a coma, and they can't they can't reverse it. They're like, well, it's unfortunate, but, you know, 87-year-old man, he lived a good life. I don't know if doctors actually talk like that, but I hopefully he did live a good long life. And they are continuing to kind of go about their business. And what they don't realize is the EEG is left on. So he has already had a heart attack. He's already stopped pumping blood and he's dead. And later on, the technicians in the hospital realized that his EEG continued to record for 15 minutes after he died. For 30 seconds before the heart attack happened. And for 30 seconds after the heart attack. We saw this patient's brain light up with gamma ray brain rhythms. 30 seconds before the heart attack started and 30 seconds after his heart stopped, so it's like it knew it was coming, gamma ray brain rhythms popped up in his brain. And what that is, is that is the part of our brain that is activated during meditation, during dreaming, during memories. So he had a good minute left in his life where that part of his brain activated. They believe that this is the story of the life flashing before your eyes phenomenon. Because this isn't just memories of like, what did I eat for breakfast? Or did Jason really <laughs> did Jason really sing a song on yesterday's episode? It is your important memories, your deep memories, your happy memories. Now, we've seen this before in dying rats. We've studied it. We've killed rats, and we've hooked up this little EEG to them. And they remember their first piece of cheese, the first time they outwitted that nasty cat. But we've never seen it in a human before. So we think now this is what happens when you're dying. Your brain, your brain and my brain, and all humans' brains will do this. They'll have a good minute of reliving your best memories. They continue to record, because again, this was accidental. They didn't mean to do this. Apparently, for up to 15 minutes after his death, his brain was still active. But they want, it, it wasn't active in the sense like, oh no, I'm dead. What am I doing here? Oh my God, they're taking out my organs, my liver. I still need that. It wasn't active on that level. I don't want to dissuade people from being organ donors. I think being an organ donor is a very, very important thing because it's just biological matter. The real you is your soul, your spirit. Who cares what happens to your liver and your corneas and all that stuff? Good, Give them to other people. Give them to other people. So I don't want to dissuade that. But at the same time, you're, you're technically your brain is still active for 15 minutes after he was declared dead. 
And so this is something that organ donor scientists have been like, should we wait 15 minutes, right? Should we wait longer? There's no way to resuscitate this guy. He was dead. He had a heart attack. His brain was full of blood. He was dead, but for and his heart stopped, and he was clinically dead. But now we know for up to 15 minutes afterwards, he's still having something firing in his brain. They do caution. They do say this. Listen, this dude had epilepsy. Like, this is the very first time we've ever done this. And we'll put a pin in that as well. I know I keep putting pins and stuff. This is the very first time we've ever done this, but this guy has epilepsy. So it's possible that his brain was firing in a different way. It's possible that not everyone's brain does this. He may be the only one. We don't know. We haven't studied this. But as far as we can tell right now, when you die for 30 seconds before and 30 seconds after, you get a flood of memories. These gamma ray brain rhythms activate. Beautiful story, right? I believe in life after death. I also believe that there's probably a nice little send-off, whether or not you've been tortured for the past 15 hours by some rival gang, or you just died in your sleep, or you were decapitated, or you're falling off a cliff. I believe at the moment that you die, regardless of the lead-up to it, I do believe it's a moment of peace. But I do not believe for one second that this is the first time this has ever been recorded. I 100% believe that this has been done before. Not by these guys, right? I'm not accusing these guys of having a body form. But you're trying to tell me since the invention of the EEG, in any country in the world, whether it was run by a madman dictator or just, just a regular dictator, just a politician, whatever, where you had some scientists did not run this experiment before. I 100% don't believe that. It probably hasn't been published before. You're telling me that they've never done this before. No one's ever hooked up an EEG to someone who was dying and left it on. There are so many scientists out there who would love to run this experiment, right? Who they get, apparently apparently they're supervillains, but you're telling me that there's not a scientist working in some fourth world nation, some total cesspool, where they're paying off a dictator and saying, I'm going to take townspeople here, and I'm going to hook them up to this EEG, and I'm going to inject them with this venom, and then just having snakes biting them with snakes, and then I'm testing it. You know what I mean? Like for I here's my thing. This is my conspiracy theory. For every reputable, for every one thousand reputable scientists, there's one mad scientist. I bet you. I know. I have no evidence to back any of this up. But I bet you someone has done this before. One hundred percent. I bet. And I'm not saying they necessarily have to work for Cobra Commander and they're killing the patients. But you're. I bet you. I cannot believe this is the first time that's ever happened. Because listen, man. If I went to school for years, I was like curious about science and stuff like that. I would totally. I totally. I totally would have done this already, right? I would have went to work at a hospital and would have worked the night shift when it's super spooky and more people are likely to die, especially when I'm working. And I would have walked around with this EEG box, and you know, I'd be like, "Dude, are you are you okay? Are you okay?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah." And I'm like, "Oh, this dude's totally gonna die." And I'd hook it up, and then you know, put a pillow over his face or something like that. And then get my readings and leave. You see how easy it is? <laughs> now I just came up with that off the top of my head. You're telling me that no scientist has ever recorded a person dying before. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I believe there, I, like the Soviet Union, that when Stalin was in charge, he was trying to get monkeys to have sex with women. You don't think he ever goes, oh, I wonder what happened. I wonder when people die. Let's just kill a bunch of people. 
I'm doing that anyways. And why don't we hook them up to brainwave things? Like, you cannot tell me this is the first time that happened. However, however, my conspiracy theory aside, I have absolutely no proof to back up, but it makes sense, right? You're telling me a scientist has never murdered somebody to find out what happens after they die? Anyways, um, it's, it's a cool story otherwise, right? Like, forgetting that, forgetting me besmirching all science endeavors. This is really cool. Like, we actually do get to see that. And... It's funny because to people like me who think that death, the lead up to death may be chaotic, but death itself is very painless and transitory. It's this kind of back set up like, right, you'll have a good minute of dreaming and, you know, dream a minute long dream could seem like 10 lifetimes. And then to people who don't believe in the afterlife, they go, oh, that's where all the stories of like near-death experiences and stuff like come from. You're just dreaming. But really, when you die, you just kind of disappear. Your soul just kind of vanishes. So, I mean, depending on where you, you fall on that scale, it can back up either theory. <laughs> and if you're some sort of lunatic doctor who's been doing this on the side all the time, now you can be like, aha, my calculations were correct. Those Those 19 people that I killed also proved this. But yeah. You can't tell me this is the first time this has happened. Really, you can't. I refuse. If you email me with that as a subject line, I will not read it. I refuse to hear any different. Propeller, let's attach you to the top of the carboner copter. We are leaving behind this mad scientist laboratory. We are headed all the way out to Europe. I wonder how many mad scientists there actually are in the world. And it'd be super easy, right? Like, you just go to somewhere where life is cheap. You got some money and you walk in and you tell the government, hey, I want to start chopping up people. You probably aren't, you probably aren't that bold. But there's a lot of places life are cheap. And the EEG machine probably doesn't cost that much either. And you just uh, end up in some other country and you're like wiping the sweat off your head as you see all the citizens walk around. And you're like, oh, their brains so active. But not for long. And then you like walk slowly into the crowd of people. But while that totally true and totally not made up ending to a movie I just wrote in my head is happening, we're in Europe. It's actually the 1950s and it's a cold winter. We're all bundled up in our furs, got big old hats on and boots and nothing else. No pants, no shirts. We're walking through this unnamed European village. And there's a guy, he's walking through town. We'll call him Lance. He's walking along this seaside village. Life's pretty good, right? It's the 1950s. It's Europe. Things were a little rough a couple of years ago during the World War. But now, you know, things are, are starting to make sense. But Lance is having kind of a weird day. As he's walking through town... What's that smell? Hmm... I don't know what it is. Well, uh, you might as well just keep walking around. It's not like we've invented bathing or anything like that. Lance is walking through town, and even he can tell he's emitting a strange odor. He's been to the doctor a couple times, right, to get this checked out, because it's just this weird scent about him. No one likes to smell. It's not necessarily off-putting. It's just kind of a weird stench. He goes to the doctors, and they don't know what it is. They go, you might have some sort of new disease. But, I mean, that's not really reassuring, right? Well, they can't really do anything for it. It's not really responding to any medicine. And Lance is just like, does it hurt? And Lance is like, no, I mean, it's just weird smelling like stuff, right? So Lance is walking through town. He's all, smell you later. And he's walking through town. 
and he walks past this group of women. You know, Lance is young, you know, he's he's in his prime. He sees these women walk by and he kind of looks at them and they kind of look back at him and he's like, oh, I still got it. He's walking down the street. He stops at a window of a bakery and he's like, oh, dude, that cake looks delicious. I'm hungry enough to eat an entire wedding cake. And he looks back and those two women that he had passed, they're kind of like staring at him now. He's like, I knew that I got it, but I didn't know I got it that good. Those women are staring. When he looks back into the bakery at the cake, the female employees of that bakery are kind of just staring at him too. But it's not lust in their eyes that he sees. It's anger. It's hate, really. Lance continues walking down the street. And the women come out of the bakery, start following him. Two women he passed earlier are following him. And as he continues to walk down the street, he sees more and more women stopping what they're doing and following him. Car drives by, window rolled down. He sees the woman driving go, (laughs) take a smell of something. She puts the car in park, gets out, and joins the crowd of women who are following Lance through this village He has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Who doesn't want to be followed by a bunch of women? Well, Lance. Because of what is about to happen. He turns the corner. He nearly bumps into this woman. And he looks up at her. She looks at him. And he sees her face flash from surprise to hate to rage. And she reaches up and she scratches his face deep and hard. He grabs his cheek. He stumbles backwards into the crowd of women who had been following him. They begin to scratch him as well. They begin to slap him. They begin to punch him. And he feels dozens of hands pulling him, yanking him, tearing at him, ripping his clothing. He pushes away. He knows this is a fight for his life. He doesn't understand why, but he understands that if he does not get out of this crowd of women, they will kill him. He begins running through the seaside village and the women pursue him. They're gaining ground on him. And Every time he passes a store that has the door open, women pour out of it. The men of this seaside village have no idea what's going on. Is Beatlemania come? And they don't even know who the Beatles are. This is pre-Beatles. They're just watching this young man run down the street. And women. What is that? Is that my wife running after that guy? What is going on? Martha, come by. Never mind. You can go do what you want. I'm going to go back to the bar. These women are chasing this young man through the streets of this seaside village. And he's desperate. Every time he passes an alley, every time he passes a storefront, every time he walks by any open door, it seems that there's a woman standing there and they're transformed into a bloodlusting animal. At the edge of the seaside village is the sea. And he makes a quick calculation. It's winter. It's super cold, but surely, if I jump into the water, surely and her friends won't follow me. So he does. He runs and he jumps into that freezing water. 
and without hesitation, every woman who smelled his scent follows him in to the icy depths. All of them die in the frigid waters of this European seaside village. Let's travel to Mississippi in the year 1956. A story starts to go around in this state of a new disease that sprouted up in Europe that made its way over to the States called Mercritus. It is a disease that only can infect men, but it has an effect on women. If a man gets Mercritus, he puts off a scent that, for whatever reason, nobody knows, triggers a woman to become a homicidal maniac. Just the scent of whatever odor they're putting out overrides any self-preservation, any rational thought. The woman will kill and continue to kill until she is removed from the area that is producing the scent. So even if she kills a man as his body is laying there, as his mind is still firing for 15 minutes, she will continue to attack and destroy things in the area. Now, let's say a young boy passes by. She may attack him, whether or not he's putting out the scent. He's close enough to the scent that she will murder him. Now, apparently, they didn't murder each other. Women would not murder each other during these rages. So if you had a single body who was emitting this odor and you had a bunch of women clawing at a man and then picking up a brick and smashing his brains in as he's laying there dying, as long as his body is still emitting the odor, the homicidal rage is there, but it never turned on each other. So this is a, this is one of those very, very interesting, very, very obscure local urban legends that a lot of people believe has a nugget of truth in it. Locally, people consider this an urban legend, but it's one of those urban legends that people go, well, maybe it's not as bad as people say, but it was real. It actually did happen. And then the people are like, no, no, it is an urban legend. And they're like, oh, no, you weren't there back in 1956, young man. Apparently, there was a time where people believed that mercritus was a real disease and it would cause women to kill on sight or smell. Kill on smell. They wouldn't stop killing until the smell was removed. Some versions of the story say that a man can give himself mercritus. I have no idea why you would want to do this. And the way to do it was to ingest large quantities of lead. So first off, why would you want to why would you want to give yourself this scent? And secondly, why would you ingest large quantities of lead for any reason, right? It's not edible, it's not tasty, I'm assuming. But whether or not lead is the cause of this, because again, they didn't mention that in the Euro story. He wasn't like, oh, I just got out of the restaurant drinking a nice cup of lead. Why do I smell? Some people say that lead can cause this. Other people go, no, it's not caused by lead, because that's stupid, right? No one drinks a lot of lead. They, you know, old-timers in Mississippi go, no, this is a real thing. Back in 1956, there was this thing called mercritus, and there was an unnamed Mississippi town where this started in, and the violence became so bad, the women killed everyone in that town. And some versions of the story say the mercritus outbreak was so bad, it actually swept through several southern U.S. states. But none of this is in a, any history book, right? I just heard about this, and I've been investigating urban legends and paranormal stuff for 20-some-odd years. 
This is awesome. <laughs> this is dope. This is dope. I've never heard of this before. Mercritus, a disease that the lead part is stupid, but a disease that can turn a woman insane, turn her into a homicidal maniac, bloodlusting killer. And what's interesting, too, is the pushback. Like, people have to come out. Usually when there's urban legends about Three-Legged Lady Road or Crybaby Bridge or whatever, people don't come out and have to issue statements saying that's not true. I've read, like, documents from, like, nurses have come out and said, the health agency says that this is impossible. Like, why is the health agency, why are you as a nurse opining on this as well if it's not real? I find it so interesting that this exists, that this story exists. And here's the thing, just like in the first story, this is something that would be covered up. This is something that would be covered up. And this would be something that I could see somebody trying to invent. Let's put on our conspiracy caps here, and we're going to wrap it up like this. I honestly believe, this is one of my personal conspiracies, I think that there is a race between men and women to obsolete out the other one. I've honestly believed that for a long time. I don't think I've ever talked about it on this show. I think that for the longest time, men have been dependent on women to keep the species going. And same thing with women. Barely barely get along with each other in a lot of ways. You'll get to the point where you can have a society with nothing but women. You can have a society with nothing but men. But we won't have both. I'm not saying that that's a good outcome for humanity, but I do believe that there are forces working on both sides to ensure that is the case. We work together hand in hand now, but once we're able to develop technology where we can have babies without a womb or without an egg, then the men will annihilate all of the women on the planet. And if women can figure out a way to have babies without men, and the science, we're seeing science try to figure this out. They, the men have figured out a way to create an egg now. They actually can take skin cells from someone and create an egg. As of right now, to propagate the human species, women are not needed. The technology is very, very expensive, but it is no longer hypothetical. I do, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I think there are forces in the male side and there are forces in the female side, whether that be some sort of Illuminati type thing or what, I don't know. But I do believe that there has been a race, a scientific race, to obsolete out the other sex. And they will then, over time, wipe out women or over time, wipe out men. And there will be one sex in the future. Because why have two? If you are a man, and you can do everything you need to do, and it's only with men, why would you want another half or more, there's more women on earth than there are men, of someone that you can quasi-relate to? You know, I'm always fascinated that men and women can even date. Because their experiences, the way they view the world, are so radically different. I'm always very, very fascinated by the fact that we can have intimate relations with each other. Because really, we don't see the world the same. We've had totally different... I'm not talking about chemically. We have had totally different experiences. I'm not saying this brain works different than this brain. I'm saying society treated this person different than this person. Radically different. And then we meet again in our 20s and we start dating. And it's super 
weird that it works. Because when I meet women my age, and I'm 45, when I meet women my age, we've had radically different lives. But when I was meeting women in my 20s, we had radically different lives. And when I was hanging out with my friends who were girls and we were 12, we had radically different lives. Now, I don't, I don't like cars, right? I'm not into cars. I'm not into sports. I'm not into a lot of stuff that is macho type stuff. But I can still sit down with any man and we've shared so many of the same life experiences by just being men. Even though 90% of men culture, I'm really not a part of. Like, <laughs> Guys will often try to talk to me about cars and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. They'll talk to me about sports. I don't know what you're talking about. But we've still had so many other shared experiences. I don't believe we're going to... And I'm not... Again, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I want to get wiped off the planet or I want to wipe women off the planet. But I don't think the future is both. I don't. I think there are a lot of women out there that if they could hit a button and wipe men off the face of the earth because now they have perfected the way to keep the human race going without us, they would. And I know there are a lot of men who would do the same thing if that button was sitting there and it would wipe out women, knowing that the human species would continue on. You could press a button, you could remove half of it, and then you'd have a group of people that, either a brotherhood or a sisterhood, 100% believe that there are agencies working towards that. I'm not saying the big ones are, I'm not saying the powers that be, or the Illuminati, or the 13 families, or anything like that are fighting for that. But I do believe that there are groups of mad scientists on either side who would love to have something like Mercitus be real. Because it's a hard thing. See, obviously, I don't want to go out and wipe out all the women on Earth. And most women don't want to wipe out all the men on Earth. But you would only need a, a group of people at the top who have the technology to do this that could override our natural, ah, yeah, we don't always get along, but, you know, I, I like girls. I like girls. Like, even not just in a relationship thing. Like, I don't have a problem with them in my day-to-day -day life. How do you override all that stuff? Oh, you know, yeah, sure, boys have broken my heart a couple times. But, you know, they're not that bad. It would be horrible to live in a world without boys. How do you override that natural thing? Mercitus. Right, If you could trigger something in women that would just make them kill men, and you triggered something in men that made them give off a scent that drove women mad, there you go. Now, this was being tested, this was being released in the 1950s, possibly as a dry run to see how long it could go to watch it spread. They didn't have the technology who ever unleashed this. I mean, again, assuming it's not an urban legend that's not totally made up, conspiracy caps on... They can unleash this as a dry test, a dry run, and then shut it off. Make sure it didn't escape too far out. And then wait. Wait. Wait until you did have the technology to breed without men. And once that technology is there, and it is there now, you could start making moves. Whether or not that's creating viruses that tend to target men killing men in great numbers, whether it's triggering wars that tend to target men in great numbers. Start thinning the herd like that. And then you unleash something like this, right? A virus that men catch that causes women to kill them. You can't stop it. You're emitting this weird odor for some reason. You're driving your car. You're headed back home. It's summer vacation. You're going to go stay at your mom and pop's house. 
house you grew up in, you pull up into the driveway, you walk into the house, you slip. You don't remember your house being so slippery, do you? You slip. You realize you're laying in a pool of your father's blood. He's butchered. He's butchered and he's laying right by the front door of the house. And as your brain is trying to make sense of this, your mother, the woman who gave birth to you, begins smashing your head open with a ball-peen hammer. Maybe they perfect it so you don't even know you're giving off a smell. The smell is so subtle that only a woman can pick up on it. And you're flying in a passenger jet. You got your headphones on. You're listening to some music. Fiddling around with your phone in airplane mode, which you really can't do much. I'm watching some movie that you downloaded, and you hear a scuffle. You look up. You see one of the stewardesses punching someone in first class just right in the face over and over and over again. You figure, ah, oh, it's probably some guy. It's probably some guy who's mouthing off, maybe not wearing his mask. Who knows? The stewardess had enough of it. Maybe I should whip out my phone and start taking a video of it. And by the time you pull your phone out to start recording it, you start to notice the fight has spread. You start seeing women just standing up and gouging out the eyes of the men next to them. Or wrapping a seatbelt around someone's throat and pulling hard until the man's face turns purple. And right when your phone starts to be able to focus in on everything, you feel your own hair being pulled. The woman who was seated behind you just has a handful and she's yanking it backwards. As two more women leap on you and rain down a flurry of fists, quickly pummeling you into unconsciousness. Maybe even they figured out a way to make Mercitus not only non-detectable, but something that men just naturally give off. Maybe they've spent time getting this into our food supply, into our dietary supplements, into our bodies. So it's not just that one generation of men would have mercitis, but it would be something that would be spread throughout humanity so that all boys, from baby to elderly man, would give off this scent. When the time was right, it would be triggered, and all males would give off this Kill switch. To the point that you're a doctor at a hospital and you're standing there in front of one of your pregnant patients. You're there to give her the good news. She's going to have a little baby boy. And almost on cue. It couldn't have played out any better. When you say that, this switch is activated. And she reaches for the sharpest object she can find in the office and begins stabbing herself in the stomach, trying to destroy the little boy inside of her. You're freaked out. You don't know what to do. You leave the office. You begin running through the hospital. And that's when you see a group of nurses opening up the neonatal unit and lunging towards the little boy babies, swaddled in blue blankets. You think it's far-fetched, and it may be, but the battle of the sexes will not always remain a metaphorical statement. Someday, 
someone will pull that trigger. One day, someone will believe that they know what's better for the future of mankind, and that is either a world without men or a world without women. Once they figure out a way to safely keep the human race going, there will be a war that is so brutal and so inhuman, we won't even be able to imagine the scale of it. We've already fought wars over the dumbest of reasons. This would be a war for the future of humanity. A planet of all men, or a planet of all women, now and forever. Once you figure out a way to biologically not need the other side, the clock will start ticking. And when it hits midnight, the world as we know it will be washed away in a sea of blood. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>